Happy Mentor Monday. Welcome to a brand new episode of Mentors on the Mic podcast, your go-to resource for breaking into and moving up in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Michelle Simone Miller, a New York City-based actress with credits in TV, film, commercials, off-Broadway, and so forth. If you happen to be listening to this right now on your phone or computer and you have your hands free, why not go ahead and subscribe to the podcast? It takes two seconds, but it'll give you access to all of the incredible episodes we've had with directors, showrunners, producers, casting directors, network executives, and more. You can also subscribe to our mailing list where I give you more information behind each episode, including follow-up interviews with some of our favorite mentors. The link will be in the show notes of the episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Michelle Simone Miller or the podcast at Mentors on the Mic. And this is where I share specific clips from the episode and sometimes poll poll the audience for your choice in topics or guests. In fact, uh, on Friday, this past Friday, I put out a bonus episode straight from a poll that I did asking you guys what kind of bonus episodes you want. So... It works. I even sometimes take questions from the audience to to be played live in the interview with our mentors, like casting directors and stuff. And if you haven't yet, please give us a five-star rating and a review wherever you're listening to this. Okay, so now our guests. Today we have Fiona and Sophia Roberts of the award-winning film production company, Robert Sisters Pictures. Each woman is a powerhouse multi-hyphenate in their own right. They both write, produce, and star in their own films, with Fiona taking the additional job of directing their projects. Fiona is also a working actor with TV credits including Chicago PD, Law & Order SVU, and Younger. Their first feature film, The Country Club, played five festivals and is now available on Amazon, Vudu, iTunes, Apple TV, YouTube TV, Comcast, all over. So buy The Country Club, watch it, leave a review. I think Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 83%, so it's doing really well. And their most recent film, their most recent feature film, is called A View of the World from Fifth Avenue, which just premiered at the prestigious Bentonville Film Festival and took them just over a year to make. In this episode, we discuss the story behind each film, their process for writing together, the production process overall, working with each other so closely, tips for actors on their self-tapes, and tips to successfully write and produce a feature film. I highly recommend the bonus episode I mentioned. It's right before this episode. Came out on Friday. Gives incredible tips that I compiled from the whole episode to successfully write and produce a feature film. And without further ado, here's... The Roberts Sisters. Welcome, Sophia and Fiona, to Mentors on the Mic. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to ask you all these questions. I wrote to you guys a few months ago and I was like, these girls are amazing. I love the work that they're doing. And I'll kind of touch on that a little bit later, but I'm just really grateful that you guys took the time to talk to me. So thank you. So my first question for each of you, and I'll kind of just just so that the audience can start to get familiar, you know, familiarize themselves with your voices. I always ask, what was your first role in the entertainment industry? And both of you guys, I think, have different answers from what I've researched. So, Sophia, do you want to go first? What was your first role in the entertainment industry? Yeah, um, I was a professional ballerina um, until I was 20. Uh, I trained abroad in Berlin at the State Ballet School and performed there. Um, then I did a BFA at NYU Tisch School of the Arts. And my first sort of official 
um, role in the film world was as a producer of our projects and a writer and then um, talent as well. That's amazing. Cool. Thank you. And it's awesome that you're a ballerina. Yeah. And then Fiona, how about you? Well, I got very lucky with my first professional role. I had been in a lot of school plays and I had an amazing teacher who was sort of my mentor at an arts high school that I went to in Chicago. And he was working at the Goodman Theater and they were looking for a young girl about 14 to be in a play that was going to be directed by Philip Seymour Hoffman before he passed away. And it was also starring Tom Hardy. And he was like, you know, you should audition. So he put my name forward to audition and I got the part. And that was actually my first professional role where I was getting paid to be on stage. But prior to that, I had, of course, been in Annie and Beauty and the Beast and that kind of thing. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. No, but that's incredible that at 14, that's such a huge role and it's such a huge you know, production. So congrats on that. That's an amazing way to start. Thanks. Oh, well, I was actually, at the time I was actually 15, but yeah, I think the girl was supposed Fair. to be 13 or 14. Yeah. So um, that's happened. Yeah. I've definitely played, I was in an off-Broadway show when I was like 11 and I think I was supposed to be like eight or nine. I was right. like, all yeah. right. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care about age here. Um, excellent. So can you talk to me a little bit about I'm going to start with Fiona on this, but after that, right? So you also had other TV shows and other things that you were in. Can you talk a little bit about that growth? Like, you know, obviously you were in this when you were 15. Um, but then after that, was it like, you know, did you wait till you graduated? Were you also trying to get work or professional work before? What was that like? Yeah. So after that play, I worked pretty subtly in Chicago doing theater and I did a web series. And then when I came to NYU in New York, I did um, some television here. And so, yeah, it was, you know, the, the funny thing about this industry, I think, is that you have an idea of who you are. But then when you go out and audition for projects, you get you know, people will be like, Oh, you're perfect for this. But you're like, am I? Um, I, you know, that's, I didn't think I was funny or I didn't think I was, you know, um, whatever they're trying to put you into whatever role that, that might be. So that was kind of an interesting journey to see all the different things that I could play. And, and that was one of the things that, that came from a lot of doing a lot of different projects was that I realized that I loved comedy and, hmm. um, and then I joined an improv team at NYU. And from there, that's kind of where the creation of our first film came from was really falling in love with, with comedy. So yeah. Very cool. Um, when, when did you get your first agent right around that time as well? Or. Yeah. So I had tried to get an agent in Chicago. I had sent out my headshot and resume to like a bunch of different places and nobody wanted me. And then after I got in that play, then I did get an agent from there pretty easily, which, you know, it's just luck um, sometimes. But I do think that's like the biggest thing, right? Is like making your own work is always going to be that jumping off standpoint for like getting representation if that's important to you, um, you know, or someone casting you in something and that, you know. Yeah. No, for sure. It's a lot to do with luck. I tell people I'm also an actor. So I tell people when anyone ever asks about getting an agent, my thought is like, a lot of it's just people taking a chance on you, right? It's, you know, it's not like you start off with all these credits. It's not, you know, at some point in time, someone has to go, 
yeah, I think you're great. Or I think I can do something with this. And then you just kind of go, great. So you just, it's like a numbers game sometimes. Absolutely, but anyway, yeah. yeah right. And yeah. then Sophia, did you join Fiona at, um, in, at NYU after that? Or how did that, did you guys overlap? How did that work? We did overlap um, by two years. And um, yeah, we both really enjoyed training there. Yeah, absolutely. While you were in NYU, you were studying acting. What was your thought about the industry? Were you able to kind of also get an agent? I feel like I've heard so many things about NYU not being a great, not being a great training program, but not being very um, encouraging of working as an actor while you're still in school. Is that the case? Um, no, there were some working actors in my class and they were always happy to let you out for an audition. I didn't try to get an agent after NYU. I just started writing with Fiona and I thought we would produce our own work, um, and put ourselves in it. So that's, yeah, it's ideal. It's amazing. Wait, Fiona, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say that I think that NYU, it depends on what studio you're in. Like some studios Mm. are excited, I think, for you to get out and, and do some work and others are more like training focused. I, I have had similar, like heard similar things to what you were saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's I a think big um, program. There's like five studios, you know, so. Yeah. See, I think that I didn't even know that there were five studios. <laughs> what is each studio exactly? Is it just. They're each a different training format. So there's like a Meisner studio, Lee Strasberg, Stella wow. Adler. Um, Playwrights Horizons, and then there's like an experimental theater studio. And oh. Atlantic Theater. And oh, Atlantic, Atlantic, which theater. Sophia was in. We were in different studios. So. Oh, cool. So, Sophia, you were in Atlantic, and Fiona, you were in... I was in Meisner. Oh, yeah. love. A lot of... Shout out to Meisner. Meisner's great. I studied at Neighborhood Playhouse when I was younger. So I'll always hold Meisner close to my heart. I highly recommend Atlantic. Uh, Practical (laughs) Aesthetics is a great way to study acting. Absolutely. I have um, a mentor who uh, trained me in a lot of like communications coaching, which is also something I do. And she studied the Atlantic Theater and she says amazing things about it. So that's great. I had no idea that there were five studios at NYU. That's super cool. So, okay. So now we have a little bit of an idea of your background. When did you decide to make your own production company? This was, I I think Sophia kind of touched on it. It was at NYU that you were like, you know what? We're going to create our own work. Did you create your production company before creating the country club or did you start writing the country club? And I was like, well, we need a production company now. Um, Yeah, it was the latter. So I was in this improv group, which did fully improvised 90 minute plays where we would like get on stage for 90 minutes and like (laughs) create a play. Um, And we used to do rehearsals that were like 15 minutes. And we did a 15 minute rehearsal of something that was sort of like a golf sketch. And I had a writing class the next day, like a screenwriting class that I was in. And I had not done my homework. And I was like, Hey, um, do you guys mind if I write down the sketch that we just like came up with? And everyone was like, yeah, we don't care. So I wrote down like 10 pages of this golf sketch and brought it into my screenwriting class. And, um, everyone in the class really enjoyed reading it. And then we were supposed to bring in 10 pages for the week after. And everyone was like, I'm going to bring in more of this country club. Like, are you going to bring more into this world? And I thought, well, okay, why not? So I started writing it for that class, essentially. And then Mm -hmm. I was having such a good time that I kind of was having Sophie. We were living together at the time. I had her read parts of it, give me ideas. And then from there, we wrote it. And 
at the time too, you know, I was working a lot as an actor, but I didn't have a specific, um, you know, I didn't have a, a role where I was like really the lead of, of a movie. So I thought, what if we made this? What if we tried to make this? And so that's why we ended up creating the production company. I, it's such a big deal. Like I, I know that I kind of keep saying it's not just to like kiss your ass or anything. it's really that I know a lot of people make their own films. It's not, it's not that it's, it's, I think people don't realize how much goes into it. Um, how much is it and just, there's so many parts to it, right? So at one point you have the idea for something, just the idea, just the act of writing it is a whole other step that a lot of people don't get through. Um, and then once you have that script, it's not a lot of people make it, right? It's not a lot of people go like there's, there's just so many steps into creating something and having a finished product of it and then doing something with that. I know people who have created films who have hired me for films and some of them never see the light of day for many, personal reasons that they have. So there's a lot to all of that. Um, so it's cool to know that you wrote it. Were you workshopping it in, in your screenwriting class as well? So you had some feedback from a writer's group sort of thing? Yeah. And then I did, well, I did some other readings of it. Well, we did some other readings. I did one with some friends, some in, my improv friends, actually, after I finished it. And th- none of them remembered we had done this sketch, by oh. the way. And then Sophia and I did a bigger reading together. And we got feedback and the, the script definitely went through a ton of drafts. And I also think, you know, it, thank you for what you're saying, because I, I do think making movies is like one of the hardest things. And I don't think Sophie and I probably would have ever done it. I mean, I don't know what you think, Sophie, but like, would we have done it if we had known how much work it was? Because we didn't study film. We studied acting. Yeah. So I, we, think, um, I think we I think it's easier when you have a producing partner to get it done because even with the second film, I was like, Fiona, let's make another film. She's like, I don't know, you know, and I was like, we're, we're going to do it. And here's the start date for production. So I think it's good to have a writing partner because you don't feel like sitting down at the computer to write every day. It's also good to have a producing partner. And it's good to also remember that, you know, you're only in your twenties and thirties for so long, and then you age out of roles. So we just want to write roles that we can do ourselves and enjoy acting in. Um, and of course we would have done it. Um, it's much more rewarding to produce your own work than to have to try to fit into someone else's mold, you know? A hundred. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. And, and kind of touching on what you just said about your producing partner, I assume you mean the two of you You guys are both producing partners. You're also both writers for the, for the, at least for the country club, for sure. What were you also both writers on? Um, a view of the world from Fifth Avenue because I wasn't positive in the information. Yes, I that's okay. correct. Yeah, we write, produce together, and Fiona directs our projects. Right, that I knew. So, um, can you give me a little bit of an idea on your writing process, the two of you? You kind of, sort of touched on it a little bit, but now that you've kind of have done this before, what's your writing process in in writing these films? Well, my best advice to any writer is to go buy the book Save the Cat, and I think that was really helpful for us with our second film because country club, we started writing um, just, you know, for fun, basically for this class that I was in. Um, But view of the world, we took a much more structured approach, which I do think made for a better film. What do you think? So, yeah, I agree. Save the cat is an invaluable book. Um, It helps you lay out your storyboard, structure your script. So it doesn't get long and confusing. Definitely read it. You can write a script if you've never taken a screenwriting class, if you follow the instructions of that book. Of course, being at NYU and having producing and other classes and screenwriting is helpful, um, but we'd recommend that. 
And, and our that, process is yeah. basically, you know, we work together. Um, Fiona's great with dialogue. I'm great with helping with story arc. And, you know, that's... Do you write pages together or do you like you write scenes separately and then come back to each other and read them aloud? What's, you know what I mean? We work on writer duet. Um, so yeah. we're usually over the phone and we just sit there and sort of work together. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. And, and then I also think like, you know, it, writing though is also about having a good story to tell. And I find that a story will just kind of work on me kind of like a, like a friend who's always knocking at the back of my skull. So I'll just be walking down the street and I'll think about like, um, you know, a scene or an idea will come to me or even just a couple of words like, oh, I just want to make sure that somewhere in the script, somebody talks about, you know, this waterway or something really random. But then it's like, it's once you start the creative uh, tumbleweed, it'll just keep tumbling and it'll keep knocking at you to like work it out, I think. Do you have like um like a notes thing on your app on your phone that's just like a list of things you're like I intend to put exactly. this in something yeah yeah exactly <laughs> cool um and so you wrote the country club then you started figuring out okay the process of putting this up what did that look like to you right so um anything from pre production all of that stuff how did you start going okay I can we can figure this out let's do this what did that look like that part of the process. Well, um, first you have to raise some money. So we did an Indiegogo for Country Club, which was really helpful. And then um, you also, you know, this is a part of filmmaking that people never talk about. But you have, to, if you're going to seriously produce film, you have to raise money from people. And um, so you want to make sure that you're making a movie that you really believe in. Um, because you're going to have to go and pitch it to people and hopefully get them to give you money um then we recommend getting a really really good line producer and make sure you have every bit of your budget worked out in advance hmm. um and then from there do so you raise it, money and then got the line producer just because that's the way my brain works i just want to confirm that because that's cool i just I, I don't know i just wanted to confirm. yeah um no i mean i think it's good to kind of do it at the same time like you know having obviously you need to have a budget if you're going to go out to people so having a line producer put something together so that you have like a rough like this is what it's going to roughly be but then after you like have your money then you gotta start breaking down every little tiny thing right uh, that you could possibly need (laughs) So. so then okay two questions on that one how much money did you raise if you can say for the first one and two where did you find your line producer this episode is brought to you by I want to tell you about an amazing virtual acting retreat from the Casting Director's Cut. I had the pleasure of attending the last one in January. It was two days of workshops and masterclasses with some of the most incredible acting coaches. Coaches that are so hard to work with, including Bob Krakauer, Larry Moss, Terry Knickerbocker, Leslie Kahn, and more. I had the most amazing time learning from these mentors. I saw them work with various actors on wonderful scenes, and their tips really stayed with me. I remember Larry Moss talking about the importance of reading plays, even if you're aiming for TV and film. And it was so motivating, his speech, that I went ahead and ordered various plays, including three of the plays we worked on in class. And actually, I just finished one of them, Four Dogs and a Bone by John Patrick Shanley, which I highly recommend. 
I also connected with Bob Krakauer shortly after this retreat, which is partly the reason I was able to interview him on this very podcast. I'm actually now enrolled in his upcoming new student class in a couple of weeks, which I'm very excited for. Anyway, why am I telling you all this? Because the Casting Director's Cut has put together another exciting weekend retreat on July 22nd and 23rd. This time, they focus on all things comedy. From an improv masterclass with Ian Roberts, the co-founder of UCB, a comedy masterclass with Scott Sedita, Ace Your Comedic Self Tape with Casting Directors Erica Bream and Kara Shoot rosenbaum a comedy masterclass with returning coach Larry Moss, who is a world-renowned acting coach for people like Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael B. Jordan, Helen Hunt, and more. And a sitcom intensive with Emmy Award-winning director Mary Lou Belly, who's directed various episodes of television, including Raven's Home, True Lies, Sweet Magnolias, Bull, Dynasty, and more. In addition to their masterclasses and intensives, we have really fun workshops that actors love, like Morning Pages from The Artist's Way. Love me some Artist's Way. Hypnosis for actors to reach an optimal mindset, which I don't know about you, but that sounds really cool. And uh, if you're thinking, how do they do this in two days? There are various breaks for meals, stretching, eating, and so forth. Plus, it's all on Zoom. So unless you're performing, you don't really have to worry so much about being on camera the whole time. You can get either a two-day pass to the Actors Retreat or a one-day pass for the day of your choice, Saturday and Sunday, July 22nd and 23rd. The link is in the show notes, or you can go to theactorsretreat.com for more information. And now back to the show. Um, I don't think we can That's mention fine. like how much we researched. Yeah, it's fine. But um, but I. But what was the second question? Oh, where did you find where, your line producer? Oh, so I think you know. I mean, over time, you build your network. So you you know, we'll just reach out to someone that we liked working with. Um, and I guess if you. I mean, for your audience, you know, if it's filmmakers and other actors and stuff, I'm sure if you just even post on Instagram or like, you know, does anyone know a great line producer? Or you could go on, um, there's like pages on Instagram, movie set memes. I think every person that works in the film industry follows movie set memes. Like literally go on there so and good. be like, I need a line producer. DM them. They're like, I need a line producer. Do you have a recommendation? You know? That's actually a great point. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's all word of mouth. I mean, for our new film, we found our line producer as a recommendation from our accountant. Um, then he helps, of course, line producers' jobs to hire the crew um, or his team. So he hires many producers. And then we work to hire department heads. And most of it's, you know, recommendations from people who have worked with people or we go through below the line agents. And I, this is an odd question, too. How do you know? all the people that you have to hire. I think some people have talked to me about just going, it's such a massive project. And so a lot of these type of things, you just want to like sort of um, break down into tasks. And so you think to yourself, well, there's so many roles out there. How do we know which one, especially if we're on a budget, how do we know which ones are like absolutely essential to make sure we have on the team? And the ones that were like, okay, those might not be quite as important. How'd you guys kind of determine that for yourselves? Yeah, I mean, I think... It, it's going to be budget dependent for sure. And there's definitely a way of making features and films without having every position and without spending a lot of money. I mean, 
I know people who have made features by essentially creating like a schedule where they're shooting weekends. So they're doing, you know, they're like short films, but they're doing like five or six short films with their friends and they're paying them, you know, money, but they're, but they're not having to take off work or something during the week. So I, I think for us on our first project, we were pretty dependent on our line producer saying like, these are the, the people I would recommend that you have. And and then you've got, you just absorb knowledge like a sponge, you know, like yeah. the longer you work in the industry, you're like, okay, I felt like we really needed more people in art last time. So, um, this time I want to make sure they have like, three assistants. Yeah. That um, actually, okay. the most important person to hire, I would say straight away is your line producer and your accountant, because if you don't have a good accountant to handle payroll, then your crew will leave. Fair. <laughs> so. <laughs> Raise the money, get the budget together, and hire a good accountant. And if you have a good line producer and a good accountant, then you'll hopefully stay in budget. Everyone will get paid, and then you can hire the rest of your crew. Yes, because no one wants to be that production that just doesn't pay their people. <laughs> Not a great look. Um, so what did you learn? You kind of touched on it just now, so I figured it leans itself right into my next question. What did you learn from writing and co-producing The Country Club that you've applied to your second feature film? Gosh, so much. Everything. <laughs> um, You're like, Michelle, you don't even know. <laughs> um, well, I mean, do you want to take this one, Soph, and I'll think of a good answer? Yeah, I would say what we learned mostly was what they don't teach you in school. Um, how to all the SAG rules and rules for payroll, like when overtime kicks in, who gets safety rides, um, how to sort of who gets meal breaks when that can be deducted, all the little things that you have to check every week when payroll comes in. So that's a big part of it. Um, contracts are very important. Having a good entertainment lawyer just to make sure that you have, that you own the rights to your work. Yeah. Um, or to the sound mixers mix, for example, you need to own the rights to that. Mm. Um so we learned a lot of that, a lot about music. Music can make or break a film, uh, but music is expensive, especially if it's a hit song. So you want to make sure you leave money in your budget for music. Um, also, you want to have a good contingency because oftentimes, you know, if you go into overtime, you'll go over budget. Um, and then also keeping in mind that people, mo for the most part, you know, love supporting creative. So if you go to your location and you say, this is my budget, can you help us out? Oftentimes people are willing to work with you and work mm -hmm. with your budget as long as you're upfront and, and you have the money you say you have. And there are lots of different ways to finance a film. You can do private investors. You can pre-sell this, your script. If you get um, a name attached, you can also, if a distributor likes it, you can pre-sell to them and then they'll give you the money, assuming they're going to sell it overseas or whatever down the road. You can fund it from a tax break. So you can find, um, do film financing and, and get the tax credit money in advance. And then this other company will, will do the tax credit work after you film and then they'll get the refund from the state. So there are lots of different film financing options. But I would say if you want, if you want your movie made, look into film financing options. And then once you have the money, the right people you'll you'll find the right people over time but no one's going to make the film if you don't have the funding so that's the first step and a good story amazing good story. amazing yeah. that's a lot right there um thank you for that <laughs> no it's really i like want to go back and just like take a couple notes there um in, in to the beginning i wanted to remember that uh to remember to ask you this so for sag after rules because like you said there's a lot that you want to make sure of 
how did you acclimate yourself with all of the the rules that were there? Did you talk to someone there? Did you just read all the stuff? Both? Um, well, when you apply for your SAG clearance, they send you sort of a packet with all the rules. Um, but we have a great relationship with the local SAG New York office. Yay. And on our... For example, on our most recent film, we had a big Zoom meeting with all of our team and SAG, and we had some outside hires from LA, and we just said, what are the rules if we're taking them to the Hamptons overnight? What are the rules yes. if we're putting them up in a hotel? When do they need to be back in their in their room? And SAG was really appreciative that we asked, and so they were, they were willing to work with us. So it's really just being upfront. They're a great union. They support talent. You know, they're there to help. So I would say don't try to fight them. Just, you know, try to work with them. It's really good advice. And it's really good to know that they're there for us, that they're able to to get on those Zoom meetings. So yeah, they're always there to help if you need help. And then, um, okay, so your second feature film called A View of the World from Fifth Avenue. So before we get into it, this is how I found you guys. I don't know if I wrote it in the in the introductory message, but I auditioned for this film. Um, and I read like, oh. yeah, I know. I, I don't think, and maybe I mentioned it, but I don't remember if I did, but I auditioned for, um, a role. I think it was called Sunita. Um, and I read the sides and I was like, this is really good. And it's not that I like, I mean, I get auditions for all types of projects and some, some are great, some aren't, but there was something about this that like felt really like different, felt contemporary, felt real, felt authentic. Um, and I was reading the scenes and I like immediately got creatively inspired. There was something about the scenes that like just felt like, okay, I can play with this in a way. Um, and so I really had fun putting it up. So afterwards, I was like, okay, make a mental note, ask them to be on the podcast. Not now because it would be weird. But like down the line, just make sure that I asked because I, I thought it was so cool that you guys wrote it, that you produced it, that you that, you know, that was that was and you had Julie Schubert, who I love, who was on the podcast, who um, cast it. So there was just something about all of that. So before I ask my question, I just kind of wanted to tell you all that because... Wow! It, you know, that's so cool to hear that you auditioned for that part, which then later became Helena um, because oh, we cast no. a woman who is Ethiopian. And so we sort of changed it to be more authentic um, to her ethnicity. But yeah, that's amazing that you auditioned for the movie. Thank you for auditioning. Oh, of course. Thank you for asking. I don't know. I don't know how it goes, but thank you for, <laughs> for having me. But um, but it was really good. It was really, really good. And I just remember going like, mental note, want to see this after it's out. So this is all great. And also, I wrote to Julie Schubert. And I was like, do you have any questions that you think I should ask Sophia and Fiona? And she didn't have any questions, but she did tell me that I could write that, that I could share this. She goes, you could not have two better guests. They are creative, kind, smart, and there's no better combination than that for working with filmmakers. We were honored to be part of a view and we're very excited for their premiere the other week. Just wish we could have been oh. there to celebrate. And she said, tell them I say, we say hi. Oh, well, they were. That's wonderful. They were a pleasure to work with. And it's really kind of you to say that you felt the script was very authentic. Um, that's what we aim for in our writing. Authentic, real stories that with good dialogue. I mean, I think there's a lack yeah. of that today in, in some scripts that Fiona reads and auditions for. Wouldn't you say, Fiona? Yeah, it, your comment is, is interesting to me because I've heard it a few times um, from some of the actors that we cast. And they said, you know, um, some of them are in L.A., some are in New York, but they were saying, you know, it's nice to be playing an adult because even though they're like, some of them are late twenties, thirties, they're still going out for these parts um, that I think we've gotten trapped in this cycle of like, 
the only thing interesting is teenagers, which is not true. Like yeah. there are so many interesting stories happening to adults that would be great to see. And I think are also inspiring for like kids and teens. They don't necessarily need to be violent or um, of adult content for them to be interesting to young people. Yeah. Uh, when I was in high school, some of my favorite movies were Sundance movies that I would find that dealt with like adult subjects, but not in a way where it was inappropriate for me to be watching them. Yeah. So we wanted to, we wanted to write a movie that didn't cater to Twitter speak that didn't cater to the now mm. we wanted to, to write a film that felt like timeless, but was authentic to now. I guess if that makes sense. So the dialogue is more timeless. The, the speech, the settings are more timeless, but then like the issues that they're dealing with are more now. Well said. Yeah, I think I only read like I was looking back at my agent's email. I think it, they only sent like three scenes, but right away I was like, Oh, this feels different. Like there was something just about the way people connected with each other that I was, it was like a specific pace that felt very real. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to see the film, which we'll talk about in a second. So this recently premiered at Bentonville, Fil- Bentonville Film Festival, which are you there right now? Or are you like nearby there? Or are you back in the city? We just got back to New York. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, Excellent. So I guess the first question I have for you is, how was your, how was pre-production for this? How long was pre-production? How long was shooting? And then how long did you give to post-production? It's always where I like to start. Well, um, pre-production started on March 6th, uh, 2022. So last March. Um, and Fiona and I just reached out to our accountant. Uh, She recommended a line producer. We pulled together our budget. Um, and over the summer, we hired cast and crew. Production started October 18th. Um, we edited throughout the winter and did our final post-production and then premiered this June. So all in all, just over a year. Crazy. Um, Guys, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so uh, cool. So here's, here's what happened. Okay. Country Club took almost five years to come out. So we said never again. <laughs> And that's why we had the plan going into yeah. the shoot, which was 25 days, okay. that we were going to finish it right away. I mean, we had our composer hired and already working on themes for like the love story and et cetera wow. before we had even shot the movie. So we were planning. Yeah, yes. I mean, we got a, a delayed by the pandemic a bit with the release of Country Club and finishing post-production. Um And we just, we want to make projects and work while we're young and while we can play these roles that we love. So it was important for us to keep moving along and finish production and get the film out in the world. I I think it's really important. I'm glad you say that. I just, I feel, I mean, I talked about it a little bit earlier that like there's so many stages to creating a film and there's so many places for people to stop. Um, but the fact that at this point, I think I read somewhere, or maybe I heard it on the podcast, but there's this element of making sure that you just finish it. I think it had to do with writing. So the idea was don't overanalyze yourself too much. Just finish whatever it is you're writing. And a lot of people have trouble just getting through that first draft. But I think the same thing is with film. I mean, with any type of art, you're really not 
you're only ending it when you say you're ending it, right? It's the same with a painting. A painting can keep going if you keep adding to it. And it's only when you stop that you go, okay, that's the finished painting. And it doesn't have to be there, but it's your choice to be there, right? And I think some people never finish it, right? There's some people who are like, I'm going to work on this forever. And I'm so glad that you guys were like, I want this out there. I want to finish this. I want to put this together. I want this to share it with the world. And the fact that you did that all in like about a year is amazing. Well, I mean, I think Sophie keeps saying like, oh, we want to do this while we're young. But I think what what she means by that is like, it's important to take a chance on yourself because the biggest way that you learn is by making mistakes. And um, for some people, it works to do like a project for 10 years and make a masterpiece. But I think we just recognize that we're going to grow and learn by putting out work. And we have. I don't think we could have made a view of the world as good as it is if we had to make Country Club and learned all the lessons. So, um, you know, and, and also, it's okay if your first thing isn't the best movie ever. You know, some people hit it out of the park on their first time. Charlotte Wells, After Sun, incredible. But she made a couple shorts before that. Um, you know, and I think it's like, some people, it takes them, they have whole careers. I mean, one of my favorite directors is Sean Levy. Okay, I think he's hilarious. And I've read old reviews of his movies, and they're not super nice to him. Um, you know, someone referred to him as relentlessly mediocre. And I was like, how dare you? How dare you? But he doesn't get those reviews now. You have to make stuff. You have to hone your craft. And then also, you know, you might make something that's amazing. And people don't recognize it in the time. That's fine. And then later, they're like, oh, Sean Levy, you're the best director ever. Even your first one was amazing. Yeah. It was anything but mediocre. Um, (laughs) Well, so actually, you just said that, and that made me think I have a question. Why didn't you guys make a short film before doing the feature film? I mean, I think it's super cool they went right to feature film. But my point more is like a lot of people start off because they just want to start off with something smaller. Maybe sometimes they want to create a teaser to then be purchased so that they could do the feature version of that. What what compelled you guys to do feature film right off the bat? Well, um, we were able to raise the money and we thought rather than spend, you know, 50000 on a short film, let's make a feature. It's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I and think you already had the script. A great, great idea. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, and I think we also, because we didn't go to film school, we didn't know like how hard it was going to be to make a feature, at least for me. So I thought, well, it's just like making a short but bigger. So let's just do yeah. that. But I do think making a short first is a great idea. Um, but don't spend too much money on it. Don't spend forty five, fifty thousand yeah. dollars on it. Spend, you know, a, a little bit and and work with your friends. And then get a teaser or an idea that you feel really solid about, I think, and then use that to, to submit to festivals and move forward from there. Um, Did you crowdfund for a view from the world to a view of the world as well? No. Fair. See, that's another an excellent thing from going from one project to the other is that that, that could happen. Wonderful. And Sophia, what's it like to be directed by your sister? Fiona's an excellent director. Um, she cares most about performance and good lighting. Just kidding. Uh, she cares about everything. Uh, but she makes everyone look great on camera. Um, and she has a good overall view, like an overall big picture view. And she's good at picking good actors. And even if you're struggling some days, um, she'll help the performance out of you. 
um, which is great. Um, I think because we both went to acting school, um, Fiona does approach her directing and I'm not going to speak for her from an acting perspective. So that helps actors, you know, who don't maybe understand the role or need some help. She's able to help them with the acting side of it. And I think good acting combined with a good story makes a great movie. Great. Well, great answer. I mean, I, I was just talking to, um, do you guys know Bob Krakauer? I was, yeah. So I haven't taken a class with him, but he was on the podcast and I followed up with a question from one of the directors on the podcast because they wanted to know his particular tips for, for directors on how to communicate with actors. And he was like breaking it down for me just, you know, so I could relay the information. But I remember thinking like there is a language sometimes to communicating with actors that a lot of directors are just unfamiliar with, whether they just haven't exposed themselves to classes or they haven't, they haven't figured it out. But, you know, you could have, you could have a, you could be a great director and have a really great view of what you want to accomplish. But if you're not able to draw those performances out of an actor, you know, what's the point? So it's amazing. Fiona knows the language. She knows exactly how to connect to people. It's, it's great. Well, I mean, yeah, I think I would say that 90% of directing is picking the right actors. And that's something that I read somewhere, heard somebody say, that's not me from me. Um, And I think, and I guess for me, it's experience of having been an actor and watching a lot of my own tapes and other people's tapes that I have a good eye for that. But also if you have a good team, so Sophie and I watch tapes together. And if you have a good casting director like Julie Schubert, I mean, she's going to, she's going to pull amazing people for you to be watching. So, um, so we're very lucky in our first casting director for country club, Kate Clifford, she worked for Gail Keller and Gail Keller is the comedy queen of New York city. So they found the best people. So, so first of all, if you have a good casting director and a good team, you kind of vetting and you're looking at the cream of the crop anyway, but then there's also a lot you can do on set and in post to make sure that people look good. Um, so on set, you know, I've learned now twice, <laughs> I think that, that actors usually have a pretty good idea of what they're going to go in and do. And it's usually probably the right thing if you cast them and you like their audition. Right. Um, and so the, 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 what I like to do is I like to give everybody a couple takes to do what they want. And of course, when you're working on a low budget film, you don't always have a lot of time. So you, you got to be watching the clock a little bit. You're like, okay, I, I need, <laughs> you know, 15 minutes for this person's close up. Um, so I do one or two takes where I let them do what they want. And then I go in and I kind of do a more surgical, like say this line again, say this line again. And I can be a little bit annoying like that. But then the other thing I've learned is to tell people why and how. Mm-hmm or sorry, to tell people why instead of how. So, um, you know, we have a line in our, our current movie where um, they're talking about some wine and they're saying like, oh, it's it's an abysmal waste. And I said to one of the actors, that's about your friend. It's actually not about the wine. You feel like it's right. a waste that your friendship has turned out the way that it's turned right. out. So when you, when you look at the wine and you say, oh, it's an abysmal waste, think about her and your friendship. Yeah. And I think that kind of stuff always creates deeper performances than me going and saying like, can you say it like you're annoyed? Yeah. Be whatever. more annoyed. And it helps. Yeah. It helps to have written the script because then, you know, sort of all the intended. Yeah. Things behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And then in post-production, I mean, 
there's a lot of tricks you can pull too. If someone, you know, you can cut away from people before they make that weird face or before they start to like pretend to cry or like whatever, like you can, you can hide things too. And, and sometimes when I see movies with actors that I don't feel like are that strong, I'm like, you could have cut away from them. Like, why did they stay on them? Or, you know, why did you, you, you can do all this stuff to help people look and appear better. A lot to do with editing. It's a lot to do with editing, too. I think people don't think about that as much as they should. Speaking of at least editing, because we edit our own self-tapes, what are your tips for actors? A lot of actors listen to this podcast. Now that you've seen so many <laughs> tapes, and I know Fiona has put a lot of her own together, what are some of your tips for actors who are creating self-tapes all the time? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. I've done thousands of self-tapes in my life. So listen, I understand <laughs> the, the plight. Trauma. Yeah. Um, well, I think my biggest tip is that this is like your space to do whatever you want. And um, it's never, you know, like you get the side, you know, like, okay, this is where I start. And I don't want to step on any casting director's toes because I know some casting directors are like, I just want to see the scene and that's it. But we always appreciate an audition that's like, you know, the person is maybe in the right clothing and they're sitting maybe in the living room, maybe not in front of the wall. And they have the glass of whiskey and they're talking like they're the person. I mean, we saw some auditions like that, that we were like, okay, that person's like kind of in the running, you know? But it's a balance. Use your intuition. And actors have amazing intuition. So use your intuition. Am I going too far? Or is this just the right amount of creativity that I'll stand out? And the other thing to keep in mind is it's like that age-old annoying thing that they always tell us. Like, there is often just one person that is the part. So you can give what is a great audition. And I've done it too. I've given great auditions. Yes. Not, not but, but, you know, there's gonna there's always like that one person that just is and so then you just can't compete yeah. and sometimes you're that person so you're lucky sometimes it's true you know, there's someone else so and that's why it's important to create your own work so that you can right choose yourself and show, show people, people who, who you, you are, are. exactly or who you want to be because you know i did a lot of parts where i was you know i'm a good crier because i'm like really sensitive and cry a lot so um <laughs> so i did a lot of shows where I was, you know, um, being sexually assaulted or kidnapped. And so I was like, how about I do something that's like fun and show people I can be And fun. there's not a lot of comedy casting in New York. There's some and there used to be a lot more, yeah. but it's mostly like procedurals and dramas anyway. So it's like, right. Just hope yeah. that LA is just like, hey, here's the audition for you. Or you can make your own. Wonderful. So what are some tips that you guys, after all that, that you would recommend people for writing and producing your feature film? Um, I mean, my number one tip is to, f if you can find a producing partner and a writing partner that shares your overall vision, it's great because there's nothing like having someone to call like in the middle of the night when the whole schedule has changed and you just need to sort it out. And a partner keeps you motivated, like stuff happens in life. And sometimes you're like, I got this going on in this relationship. And you're like, my work's the most important thing. So if you can find a partner that's on the same page as you, that's super helpful. My second tip would be just to do it now. I mean, when you look at old photos of yourself, you're like, wow, I was so young. You're going to look back at this moment and say, 
I was so young and I should have gone for it before I had three kids or before my uncle got sick or whatever it may be. If you have this summer even to just go out and create something with friends, do it. The other the other tip I would say, the other tip I would say is build your network of people you like working with. Like there are absolutely people Fiona and I loved having on set and we will call in a heartbeat for the next movie. Um, build your network of, of a good cast and cr- or a good crew, um, a good team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and, that, and going off of that, like friends will help friends. So even if you don't, aren't able to raise a lot of money, um, you know, having the friendships with like a great DP or, you know, someone whose work you admire, who can maybe give you a discount or whatever. I mean, obviously pay yeah. everybody. But, you know, you can make movies and, or music videos or a short, whatever. Um, other tips. I mean, there's so, I feel like there's so many uh, things, but they're sort of specific to each stage of filmmaking. If um, nothing comes to mind, don't worry about it so much because you also guys, you gave such great tips earlier that I might be able to just even pull those. And those three tips were just gorgeous. So thank you. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the other thing I would say is like to just try to um, pick something that you want to deal with for a long time. Yeah. Because if you're making features, uh, it's years of your life, years of pre and post and festivals and then yeah. distribution and everything. So you don't want to do something that you're going to be like, oh, I'm half into this. That is completely <laughs> fair. That's good. That's good. Um, and then a view of the world, a view of the world from Fifth Avenue. Can you guys give us a little synopsis and tell the audience where they can see this film. Yeah. So we had an amazing sold out yes. premiere at Bentonville, which was really cool. So cool. Yeah, all, of our, all of our actors came down. We had a talk back afterwards with um, Stacey Wilson Hunt from The Hollywood Reporter. And that was really just special. Because, um, you know, our first movie didn't go that far. And that's another life lesson. First movie premiered in Manhattan, which was awesome. Manhattan Film Festival, shout out. Um, but you know, that now we're at the fifth biggest film festival in the U S so that's cool. Um, and a view of the world from fifth Avenue is a sort of about the philanthropy scene in New York. So it's a love story that's nestled within a really niche clicky group. And it's um, in conversation with Whit Stillman's metropolitan. If you've seen that, um, and Whit is actually in the film as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of about her search for identity as she discovers parts of herself that were like previously undiscovered, her artistry and her love for this person who's sort of outside it's of a, it. It's a bit of, you know, a gr- sort of a, we like an ensemble, Fiona and I. So it's a bit of, we love an it's ensemble. A bit of an, uh, it's an ensemble story and, and, you know, how everyone's behavior affects everyone else and how mm-hmm. your upbringing affects you. And yeah, you search for identity. I would say every character in, in the film is sort of doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, people in life. It makes sense. Right. And it already has distribution, right? Uh, no. So that's our first film. Country Club is coming out on Friday. Oh, right. OK, so, yes, this is what I want to yeah. make sure of. So Country Club is coming out this Friday. So people can see it where? Amazon, iTunes, Apple TV, YouTube TV, like everywhere, Comcast, Xfinity, anywhere you can buy a movie. Um, But please go on Amazon, watch it, leave us a review. 
We would love to see any feedback. Amazon reviews are awesome. Ron Tomatoes reviews are awesome. We have an 83% on Ron Tomatoes. That's incredible. Congrats, yeah, guys. No, I'm very excited. excited, and I'll write my own review. Sure. Where are you, where are you guys yeah. tonight? Can you say? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah. No, so tonight um, we are doing a very special one-night-only screening at the Village East by Angelica Theater on 2nd Avenue, the Country Club, and Elaine Hendricks, who we love, Meredith Blake yes. from The Parent Trap. She's in Country Club. So she's going to be there doing a Q&A. Where, when, so, when? When is yeah. it? I might be able to do that. You should stop by. I think I have a 4.30 interview, but maybe I'd be able to just run out after. You can also sneak in <laughs> late. It's true. no big deal if you want to meet her at the end. Well, I want to see the, the film Q&A. and meet you guys, but then also it'd be awesome to see the Q&A and like see her. Play. Right. Exactly. If I miss the first 10 minutes or so, I'll just rent it later and watch that 10 minutes. Excellent. And one more question I'm going to sneak in here because we have two minutes. The reframe stamp of approval that you guys have for a view of the world from Fifth Avenue, why is that important to you? And can you explain to people what that is? Because I think it's important and cool. Yeah. um, Well, Fiona and I are female filmmakers, writers, um, and it was really important for us to have a gender balanced crew on set. But what, Fiona, do you want to give the official definition of the reframe? More or less, yeah. Yeah, the reframe... That (laughs) is why there is editing. (laughs) That's comedy. (laughs) You can keep it in. The reframe stamp of approval looks at your gender balance in front of the screen and behind the screen. And we applied because that's always been a goal of our company is to try to make sure that we are inclusive of everybody. And that's men and women. Um, we just want to make sure that we're uplifting people and that we're, you know, making our projects inclusive and, and diverse. Are you guys members of the New York Women in Film and Television? We are. Oh, we are. Oh, yes. It feels like... <laughs> yeah, I, said, it feels I signed like, you up. No. Just, we, yes. Sophie's not aware, but you are a member. I signed okay. you up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just, yeah, that's great. Um, and I just wanted to say one more thing that at the festival this past weekend, uh, one of the mentors on the podcast, Jenny Halper, who was at Maven, said that Ooh. she met you guys. Yes, yes, yes. And she thought you were great. Wait, yeah. So I was like, because I, I didn't that's get to her in time. And I was like, you should see this one because I knew she was there for a panel and also to see films and stuff. And I don't know if I got her in time, but she said she had already met you guys. So I thought that was super cool. I no, no no I met Jenny um five years ago I took the country club I think and another series that we had been like going around with making and then we reconnected at Bentonville which was really exciting and now we have our second movie finished and yeah one definitely stay in contact with her about something in the future but I, and that's to me you know that's a lesson I think in itself is like you go and you'll pitch to people and people might say no. But that's like the, the whole part of the industry, you know, just stay in contact, keep going, keep making stuff and the right people will like reappear it's, in your life and be like, oh, it's yeah. a no for now. Yeah, I love that. Well, that's a great way to end it on because that could fit everybody's sort of look at it. Actors, filmmakers, all of it. It's like it's a no for now. And uh, and actually, that's when I wrote you guys to be to be guests on the podcast, I think that was kind of what your email was. It was like, no, for now, because we're in the, well, because we're in the middle of stuff. It made a lot of sense. And like, could you follow back up with us? And I was like, yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, no, don't be sorry. I think we were trying to 
festival deadline. And well, Je- Jenny is Listen. awesome, and I feel like she'll have way better advice than yeah. we have. But I'll send I you her episode. She's, she's such a sweetheart. Great. Well, thank you guys both so much. I want to let you guys go to your, your premiere. Um, and uh, thank you for being on the podcast. It's so great to talk with both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Mentors on the Mic. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend in entertainment you know would love it. Let me know what you've learned or what stayed with you on our Instagram at Mentors on the Mic. I love reading your messages. Uh, you can also find me at, at Michelle Simone Miller on Instagram. On both accounts, I'll be sharing even more information about our mentors. Talk to someone about what you learned today who would really appreciate it and send them the episode. Also, if you love the show, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really makes a huge difference in growing this. It makes it easier for people to find our podcast, and I love reading your reviews. So thank you so much, and I'll see you next week. 